From the southernmost point of Georgia to the lands of always winter, and what is west of Westeros and the shadows of the east, this is Casterly Talk. I'm Ken Napsok, and we are back here for a Game of Thrones rewatch. We've been having a lot of fun lately, talking about the news, taking your questions. Alden Diaz has been on the show the last couple of times. We always appreciate that. Tonight, we're going to spend some time with Tyrion Lannister. Oh, that's right. This is because we are taking a look back at Season 4, Episode 6, The Laws of Gods and Men. Wow. What an episode. Kind of forgot that. More on that in a second. Original air date, May 11th, 2014. Where were you? Director Alex Sakharov is uh, the director. Uh, Sakharov, excuse me, uh, was uh, the cinematographer for many of the great episodes in season one and two before moving into uh, the directing side of it. Uh, So without a doubt, Beautifully shot episode, though the cinematographer was Fabian Wagner on this, but you got to imagine they shared some notes on how to make it even that much more pretty. And for um, an episode that is mostly in a courtroom, the the Red Keep, if you will, a dungeon, uh, a bank office, and the throne room and Marine, uh, we got a big action sequence with uh, Yara Greyjoy and Theon and Ramsey. But other than that, we got we got a lot of sitting, we got a lot of talking, and in not super exciting places, just in terms of the settings. And this episode does look beautiful. They shot the crap out of it there. Uh, that's the official analysis. Shot the crap out of it there. Brian Cogman, the keeper of the lore, is the writer here, and that makes some sense. Great episode for him. Editor was Crispin Green. So uh, we always like to take a, the overall look at uh, these episodes as we look back. And as I said, I, I honestly forgot how great this episode really is. And yeah, it's mostly because of uh, Peter Dinklage and uh, the ballad of Tyrion Lannister, the sad, sad and then angry ballad of Tyrion Lannister at the, the trial. But uh, in addition to that, you know, in in, in in season four and this kind of middle area of the show, we definitely have more time to spend with the characters, this we know. And these are some slow roasting, a lot of talking, just searing, poignant dialogue. Some of the best stuff there. Just some of the best stuff. A lot of great looks, a lot of wonderful acting performances in this episode um one of the uh, uh things for me that you know you know, without a doubt peter dinklage is um uh kind of the, the the man of the hour here this was an episode which saw him uh he got nominated for primetime emmy this season and i think it was a little bit of uh i think this is the episode they submitted submitted and and without a doubt it's some of his finest work but a bunch of uh little looks little reads little takes from all the actors from Amelia Clark on down to uh, Joel Fry as his star and uh, Mark Gaddis as Tycho Nestor's the little wonderful acting choices throughout this episode. That's another reason I think it uh, stands out as one of the best, but it can be easy, um, easy to just look at the, the Tyrion stuff and, and, and remember the Tyrion stuff over all the other things, but some important things in there as we look at here. Thanks again for all of you join us for the, the uh, podcast here. This is if you're watching, uh, whether it be on the Spotify video version of YouTube, uh, you're just watching me uh, in, with my Davos beard recorded podcast here. So apologize if I look down at notes and all that good stuff there. Uh, the reaction then versus the legacy now or reaction then and the legacy now. Interesting to note that at the time the viewing was down to only, big quotes around, only 6.4 million. That's down from 7.1 million. That's in the initial viewing. I think another one, 1. 1.5, uh, maybe a little under that, but about 1.5 million uh, on uh, subsequent viewings. Uh, this is more during an era where that kind of, uh, it's big numbers no matter where you are, but that kind of number on more of a traditional pay cable kind of uh, uh, platform, uh, you know, uh, we're not fully in the streaming world here 
at this time. We're getting there. We're getting close. Netflix and all those uh, things going pretty good, but not where we are now in 2022, where the numbers can at times be a little murky and a little more spread out. And maybe sometimes you're be holding to the old standards on on numbers and, and all the good stuff. But you look at these kind of numbers and, and they're insane. So, uh, but interesting to note, it's, it's only 6.4 million, which reflects always the, the week before. Um, and people kind of maybe waiting if you're kind of a, 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 a consistent but casual Game of Thrones fan. Maybe uh, you're like, ah, I'll wait till the trial gets going or wait till the trial's after. That's the way it is. Of course, I think if you're listening or watching this show, you probably didn't skip an episode. Again, like I said, Peter Dinklage nominated for an Emmy. Uh, well deserved there. My reaction then, and kind of where it stands now on some of the Greyjoy stuff. I've been tracking that as I've been rewatching season four for myself. And so curious to think, uh, to hear what a lot of you think about the Greyjoy stuff here. I, I've always liked the Greyjoy stuff. I, uh, I um, had the chance of mentioned before here to play Balon Greyjoy in School of Thrones on YouTube. So uh, because of that, I think I was kind of a little affinity for the Greyjoys. And it's a, a darker story in any way you look at it. Darker because of the themes, darker because of what's going on, what happens to Theon and the characters around it, just darker because of uh, where they are mostly are out there in Pike. It's a little gloomy, a little rainy, not a lot of sunshine in the gray joys. Uh, uh, that, that that joy part of it, uh, you, I guess they enjoy great because uh, not a lot of joy in the stuff going on there. They're a dour, serious folk, aren't they? So uh, when you think of the gray joy storylines, uh, they don't pop, literally and figuratively, they don't pop uh, out in your memories. Um, but I do love them, and I love where they go. But in watching season four and watching a lot of the Reek stuff, as I've mentioned before, even some, some of the other stuff, it's 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 not that it doesn't stand up for me or that I think any of the the uh, torture and violence is, is um, too much or anything like that. I just, I I love where the story goes. I have a lot of empathy for Theon. He earns that empathy. And he earns it because of the journey. And, and there's so many great moments like the ones in the in this episode where you do feel for him. Whether or not you fully understand it, I thought it was a little harder for the show uh, to get that out. You see it, as we've talked before, you see Theon. You know it's Alfie Allen as Theon. Um, there was no surprise on who this reek was. The, the book got to play it differently. And the show had to approach it from a different uh, angle. So uh, we can discuss the themes and stuff a little bit later. But in watching this particular episode, I do remember at the time um, when we last we really see Yara and she's, you know, her and her father got the little box uh, from Ramsey and it's Theon's favorite toy. And I cried when I took it and she's going to take the 50 toughest SOBs from uh, the Iron Islands and uh, head on out. Um I, I wanted that story. I really like Yara. Really think she's a good character. And and um, really wanted her just to, not really fully knowing where it was going, just wanted her to charge in there, kick Ramsey's ass, and save Theon and save the day. Not where the story's going, not where the story's about, not the why of Theon's journey. It is a, a journey that's a, a, about true identity, uh, purpose, redemption, um, Overcoming your mistakes, processing your mistakes, processing trauma, a lot of big things going on there. And we all know where it ends up. And I really like where it ends up. I like Theon's final moments. I like his final arc. I like how he kind of finds his true purpose and and uh, stuck between two families and 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 the lesson that you are both. You are you are Stark, you are Greyjoy, you are um more than just this name. Uh so I think there's some big valuable things in, in Theon's, but at the time. Um, at the end stories, excuse me. At the time, I just I remember it all kind of resolved. Yara's journey here resolved really fast for me, and it still is really fast. I, but I, looking back, I just don't think um, it's fair. Why, why I don't consider Theon a a B player? Uh, his storyline is maybe a little bit of a B in the old classic ABC storyline and putting together a sitcom sitcom script, if you will. He's kind of a B storyline. Um, it's more of a personal journey. He does have, he does essentially save the day along with a lot of other people. I think everyone's on these journeys to how they save the day in, in, in different, um, different ways. But without him, you know, he, he stands, uh, stands there, protects Bron, 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 Bran, not Bron, uh, to the end. Um, so I think that's valuable. 
But looking back, especially in season four, uh, the, the Greyjoy stuff is it's there for me. And at times. It's like, I got it good. I know where it goes. I don't need to spend as much time with it as I used to. Nothing against anyone involved. I think Alfie Allen just absolutely kills it in this role. Gets better and better as the show goes on. I think some of his best work comes in season seven and eight. Um, uh, really do love, uh, like I said, Yara. So it's all there. Um, but that's it for me in the rewatch. It's there. So that's something that's uh, felt it then and kind of uh, kind of entrenched in my heart now as a, as a viewer. Not to take anything away from, especially if you're a Greyjoy fan out there, which is a dream. Other than me kind of having a silly affinity for the Greyjoys because of a, of a YouTube short I was in, I haven't run into a lot of Greyjoy fans out there. Uh, so curious if you're a Greyjoy fan, like ever, you know, me being a Stannis stan is uh, is my own problem. Uh, it's my own thing to deal with. But there's a lot of Stannis fans out there. I, I do run into them. Uh, one of our dedicated listeners, Eric Monroe, always uh, calling in and reminding uh, everyone out there uh, like I do that Stannis is, uh, you know, the Iron Throne is his by right. Uh, but I don't run into a lot of Greyjoy fans and that I get it. But sometimes I feel sorry for the Greyjoys. I do, I do, I do. All right, so what is this episode known for? Um, I think we can start here with the Wrath of Tyrion. We got the greatest, one of the greatest speeches. I mean, it might be, it, there's, a, there's a chance I, I, would, I would call this uh, the, the greatest speech in, uh, in the show. I mean, it's worth discussing. Maybe I'll grab some other panelists here. We'll put together a list of greatest uh, greatest speeches. I mean, this is almost a rant, but it's a speech. But uh, and, and if this one ends up being the speech, I, it's well-deserved. It's well-earned. We're with Tyrion from episode one on, and we know what's going on, and we know the farce that's at play here, and we're going to dive into some little details of that, of course. But this episode is known and should be known for the I wish I was the monster you all think I am speech. His heartbreaking, his soul breaking, rage taking over, righteous anger, uh, uh, all that factoring in. Uh, but um, I think that's that's uh, that's the, the most the biggest takeaway from this episode is is what's going on with him. But I also submit this: this episode might indirectly be most known for the Tyrion blooper scene, the clip of. Uh, Peter Dinklage uh, kind of dancing with the shackles on uh, in that uh, blooper that got out there. And you see that still pop up a lot, the, the dance thing. So that's that's the most important thing in this episode to take that. Uh, but uh, interesting to know, this is a Starkless episode. There's definitely mentions of the Starks, especially uh, Sansa Stark, but no Starks appear in it. So there you, there you go. Uh, interesting side note on that. Side note, uh, the yeah, the, the, the episode of the trial uh, and, and uh, all those that turned on Tyrion would get to Shay, those that didn't stand up, Varys and his choice, not a surprising Varys choice. It's so it's so not surprising. It's just like my favorite thing. It's one of my favorite things in this episode and Game of Thrones is Varys being like, I, I protect the realm. I survive. You know the position I'm in. I got to do what I got to do. But then he always... He does end up helping Tyrion. You know, it, it's I love their relationship, but I love this moment. So I love the Varys stuff in this episode. Uh, this episode has uh, some uh, things that we love looking at the impact on the story, the impact on us, the audience, and, and a little foreshadowing maybe. Um, things that have more meaning now. Stannis, uh, we start in uh, Bravos, of course, and um, go to the Iron Bank. Mark Gaddis shows up as uh, Tycho. And uh, yeah, that, that's our first uh, introduction. I love... If you go to the extras here, you got Benioff and Weiss kind of both saying, uh, yeah, you know, we always heard about the Iron Bank. You know, you don't hear a lot about banking in high fantasy. We want to spend some time there. And it's very effective. Really do love that scene. But uh, the end result here, if we look at how this impacts the story, it's pretty big. It's pretty big. Stannis getting the support he needs, getting the gold he needs from the Iron Bank will, of course, um, help send him to where he feels he needs to go, which is the wall, which has a pretty big effect on the realm, pretty big effect on the story. It's a victory moment for Stannis. We'll get to it. Can't wait to get to it. But uh, yeah, when we get there, and, he, and, and we know what happens, but he's going to start his slide. But him just, it's its truly a butterfly effect from for, for my point of view of when he, him getting this gold goes up to the wall. But also 
the Iron Bank throwing behind him puts added pressure on what we already know, what Tyrion has told Cersei and us. There's no gold in our caverns anymore, in our minds. It's not there. We need uh, the Iron Bank. We need the gold. It is the true power in the land. And so them moving, them being convinced by Davos, giving one of his great speeches, we should point out, uh, it has uh, it has ramifications. We'll, we'll see a lot of that uh, um, play out. Uh, the need for gold, uh, the need for funds uh, also means there's going to be a loot train that's going to get looted and burned. Uh, so there's a lot of little effects going out there. So I think that's it's a pretty big impact. And it's a great, quiet scene. Uh, a dramatic scene in a bank lobby in Game of Thrones. Uh, I, I do, going back to the Theon stuff, I consider this episode, Yara considers this, uh, hey, this is where he dies. Now they do um, be, get reunited, and there's a little bit of uh, Theon coming back to life. But uh, where I don't think Theon is dead, uh, and, and, and dead and gone uh, in, in any kind of theory, I do say this is the episode where Theon is kind of, kind of permanently fractured. Uh there's no guy, uh, 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 no going back um, for this one after a while. Um, he is uh, even his recovery is is uh, not exactly whatever. He doesn't get back to where he once was. So I look at him uh, absolutely breaking and uh, and and not never being the same. Is, is the point here. And again, Yara says, you know, my brother is dead. Not exactly true, but I think that has an impact on the story. Absolutely. Uh, Tywin playing with the, his, playing his kids like they're chess pieces. Something that's not new. We, oddly enough, around these parts, have a, a healthy respect for Tywin and his uh, ability to um, strike back with uh, barely raising a pen. Um, not going to war if he doesn't need to. He will, but he doesn't, if he doesn't need to, it's all about the, the machinations, the power plays. And the reveal in this episode that he was able to take a little bit of this chaos with uh, Tyrion getting arrested and accused of this crime. And he's going to spin it into what he needs uh, and get Jamie to leave uh, the King's Guard, uh, go back to the Rock. Um, he's going to uh, keep Tyrion alive uh, and 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 in his in Tywin's ways protect his, his dynasty that he wants to last for a thousand years. Um, we'll get to what goes on with that, but this the impact uh, on the story is it is uh, for me where this season ends. It's just proof that 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 Tywin obviously, as we know, has has no loyalty to no true love of his children and sees them as pieces in in the name game in the Lannister name game. And that is going to lead to his undoing. He's so great. He is so great at this game. Truly, as even the Iron Bank says, the true power in the land in terms of just uh, names and, and, and people have the power. His undoing is his children. His, un, his undoing is, is his inability to, to truly love his family, to truly uh, love his offspring, and never, never putting them above his own needs. And, and so it's on display here. Uh, it's, it's a thing where, where, where like Jamie Lannister is not you know, he's, he, I wouldn't call him happy. He, he's making a big moment here. This is a big moment, Jim, making a big decision where he, uh, you know, uh, is going to sacrifice a lot in his own life, uh, not being near Cersei, uh, leaving the King's Guard, going back to the rock where he doesn't want to. He's going to do all those sacrifices for Tyrion. It's a great Jamie moment, but that, that doesn't even matter for Tywin. That's part of the pain. That's part of the wonderful look on Jamie's face is, uh, you kind of already knew this. This is what you wanted. Here I am thinking I'm taking a big stand. Here I am. I'm having, um, you know, maybe not necessarily a hero's moment, but doing maybe what I feel is right. Perhaps one of the only times in my life, or at least the last few years, I'm taking this big stand. Do this, Dad. You cannot kill your son. And Tywin's like, yeah, he, he, of course. Duh. Yeah. He'll go. He'll go to the Night's Watch. Uh, you'll go back to the Rock. I'll get what I want this farce of a trial that I know is a farce and I'm overseeing. Well, then it's all a power play for me. And I, I think in, in a way that um, Tywin can't go back from this kind of stuff. Certainly can't go back uh, with Tyrion. And, uh, and I, I think uh, you got Jamie being the one to help him. And I think it's moments like these that lead to his undoing. So a little bit of a, it definitely impact and a little bit of foreshadowing there. 
Um, for me as a Stannis fan, impact on the story and impact on me as an audience member, this might be only for me, fully aware of that. The Davos speech and what he represents to us in, as an audience, always kind of the common sense guy, always got those, well, you know, I might not be a learned man, but here's some truth that you can't escape. Love that about Davos. Liam Cunningham is great in these moments. And this is one of my favorite ones. I always say I'm a big Stannis fan. Just love Stephen Delane in the role. There's a lot of reasons uh, I love the character. But in the end, there's something kind of personal. There's some things I take from his journey and who he was at the beginning of the story. Loyal to a fault. Loyal at uh, sometimes uh, no bigger cost than to himself. And, and uh, he uh, lets it all consume him. It's not just a, a quest for power. It's a quest for, I'm going to stand up for myself and get what I feel is mine. And it turns into its own kind of uh, lust for power, or thirst and greed. And he's to his death. He loses who he is. And that's the big thing. Stannis loses who he is. And in this moment here, before uh, the, the, the ruling parties in the Iron Bank, Davos gives this great speech. And because a lot of people, even, even back then, a lot of people aren't rooting for Stannis. I keep thinking the value of the speech and the why of the speech. What does it mean to have Davos give this? Uh, this, is, this is the only bet you should make. He lists these qualities, you know. He's, he's, he'll get the army. He's a proven commander. He's in his prime. He's got the birthright. And gloves come off. He'll pay. He'll pay his debts. It's honor. The bank doesn't respond to the honor of it. They respond to the, oh, he'll do his duty and we'll get our money back. We like that. We like the stories numbers tell. That's why I love this scene so much. But the big why of it is this picture of what Stannis could be. And perhaps maybe if you want to push it out bigger to what we all could be. When we uh, take our best traits and we take what we can truly bring to the table. Um, and can we live up to that? Stannis never lives up to the Stannis that Davos, Davos sees. But it's constant. I think at one point Dan Stannis was always grumpy. Stannis was always Stannis. I think one point he probably was uh, a little bit of a, a better human than he was uh, by the time we uh, see him. But even then, we don't obviously don't see him in season one. And he leaves. I think he leaves for good reason. Um, but then he sees an opportunity. An opportunity to get what he feels is his, and that's the danger. It's all that to say. I, I really love this speech. I really love Davos's passion for it. And Davos is kind of always in that spot between two worlds in a way. Uh, kind of loved by everyone, almost. And uh, I just love the moment, and I love it for Stannis, but I love it for just this idea of the pursuit of these things, the pursuit of power, the pursuit of the throne. Uh, it, it will cost you. We see that time and time again. It will cost you. And those that seem to pursue it too hard and lose themselves pay the bigger price. Whereas those who seem to release themselves of, of wanting this and find themselves and find themselves in other ways and other methods on other paths, they seem to be, I don't know if everyone, anyone ever really wins in game of Thrones, but uh, I think they find themselves in a better position than many others. And uh, Stannis is definitely in the many others category, but I love this moment. It is Davos saying, this is what he could be. Davos sees it as, as what he is and what is there. But it's what it, what it could be and, and what Stannis could have been if he uh, just made some different decisions. Uh, but anyways, that's just me rooting for my guy Stannis. I know a lot of you. A lot of you don't. Foreshadowing things with more meaning. I love the little moments here, but just want to focus on some of the uh, big ones. I do love that Ty Tywin gets the great update from Danny. It is one of my favorite scenes or update on Danny. Uh, Varys delivering news from the east. Oberyn there to kind of back the play a little bit. I love that moment. I love we're only we're still a few seasons away, and we get those little bits along the way. That great uh, Tywin and Joffrey scene. You are being counseled at this very moment. I, I love it because we know what's coming. But at the time, it was so exciting going back to watching this episode in 2014. It's so exciting because it is even something that you know the books couldn't uh, answer for us. 
Is Danny going to get back? What's going to happen when Danny hits those shores? Is she going to win? She's got those dragons, got the nuclear football. There's no way she can be de defeated. So just getting these kind of mentions and, and connecting those worlds, because it doesn't happen a lot, especially, uh, you know, it doesn't really doesn't tr happen at all, quite frankly, uh, of the two Essos and, and Westeros the, being combined. There's little moments, obviously. But I think when, when Arya goes to Bravos, uh, even Stannis and Davos, it's weird. It was weird to see them, right? It's like mainlanders, main cast going off to the second set here at Essos. But Danny's obviously main cast, but uh, she's always there. And uh, that was the joy of finally, you know, some of the later seasons of seeing these, you know, people that would acting opposite people they hadn't been acting against, uh, you know, for four or five seasons to see Danny uh, in on Dragonstone, just see Danny in Westeros. Uh, I love, I love all that stuff. It, it, it's like, um, I don't know, watching a, a baseball player get traded to a different team and suddenly in a new uniform after you've seen him so long. So I, I love all of that there, but I loved, um, I just love uh, going, taking my, my, myself back to the, the this mindset of just, uh, like Tywin hearing about Danny, just reminder, it's all on the same map. We don't see them playing together, but it's all on the same map. And it would get me really excited for what's to come. And I think I still have that now. So this has definitely more meaning. Uh, but there's some big ones there, two big ones I just want to talk about there. Going to, again, we'll talk, talk some more here, but Tywin, um, Tywin's inability to control Tyrion, uh, their, their war against each other, and Tyrion uh, calling for the trial by combat, with, which will erase any, any deals uh, behind any closed doors. But it is just Tywin versus Tyrion. And we got so much uh, in this episode of, of Tywin once again being in control, in control, totally in control. Uh, except for uh, this play at the end and talk about foreshadowing talk about he just can't control all of Tyrion's actions that is leading us to something big uh Danny hit, hit hits an obstacle on a road to becoming a great queen I'm that's saying that's kind of a, saying it lightly uh we'll talk a little bit more about that here in a second but it, it's uh it's pretty important stuff especially going back now which is what i've been loving uh, loving doing is uh with all eight seasons and, and and the hbo story out in front of us uh to go back and look at these moments this is a giant giant test for danny i become really fascinated by the journey of danny on this rewatch and the area is a tough tough spot she's in tough spot she's in and this is the, the first one so you, you, there's just a lot of foreshadowing a lot of a lot of additional subtext and meaning when you go back and watch danny uh take an audience with uh, his darm the goat owner and all that stuff there so many moments i've talked about him a lot here but trying to break it down davos's speech to iron bank of course is great again i want to shout out uh, uh mark gaddis's uh, taiko uh mark gaddis of course a very accomplished actor loved it when he came back clean shaven i like him with the beard better if, 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 if anyone's keeping score at home love the scene everything about it classic game of thrones so said a lot there on that one there a uh, little moments here in the in the gray joy uh, uh sequences the only real big uh, physical action we got i i don't know I, i've always loved shirtless bloody ramsey showing up for a fight just like a crazy saturday night for him i was having some sex now we're fighting this is great Ramsey's not a character ever root for, but uh, he's played with such wonderful gusto that uh, a delicious uh, ch scene chewing uh, villainy. I just love him showing up at the door, shirtless, pants probably barely on. Um, uh, <laughs> excuse me, uh, um, you know, uh, just uh, just caught in the middle. You know, what he was he was doing other things. He was doing other things. Uh, uh and, and now here he is uh fighting i just absolutely uh i just love there's something very funny about that and miranda's up there waiting i'm surprised i'm surprised miranda wasn't down there uh shirtless covered in blood with like a bow and arrow those crazy kids who knows what they like uh so i love that little moment going to the uh, small council scene uh lord kiss ass mace tyrell I mean, it's just some of the best comedy and, and, and this giant, uh, you know, this this uh, big important scene, this big trial going on. Uh, and you got old bumbling Mace Tyrell. Uh, Roger Ashton Griffiths plays him so beautifully. Just uh, the, the 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 quest for relevance. Uh, it's not even I, and that's the, I, he's not a character that. Um, 
yeah, Mace thinks he's important. I think that's 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 the key. You see that especially later on with some of the stuff um, uh, with uh, once Marjorie is uh, captured and all that stuff when he comes into the city with the big uh, the big armor and everything. He thinks he's important, but I think that the trick to make making Mace really work in this show is Mace knows he's not important, thinks he's important, knows he's not important. So everything about it is just this wonderful, wonderful, special breed of uh, bluster. Uh, and I love everything here. And then in Taiwan, just could not give up. Beep, just fetch, uh, fetch my uh, Quillen paper. Love those moments there. Uh, that whole sequence though, it's, it's, um, it's a great small council scene. I love Tywin, uh, and him, Tywin kind of, I don't know, I guess confirming more than realizing the folly of Cersei. And that's pretty big. If you just look at this scene, this is why, again, uh, you know, it's easy just to, and you should just look at the Tyrion scenes and remember that more than anything else. I think I think you should. Those are the better scenes uh, if you're ranking them scene by scene. But I, this is one of those moments where Cersei, Cersei has fashioned herself as uh, as more of Tywin Jr. than the others, uh, and saying so much to her father. Maybe I'm the only one that paid attention. We know we know what she wants. We know she wants this kingdom, and 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 hopefully this kingdom will fill the hole in her heart. And we know that the answer is no, and the very kingdom will crumble on her and 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 uh, uh, kill her um, and destroy her again. Uh, the pursuit of 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 your goals uh, just might be your undoing. Is is a lot of things we see in this show, but I think this is one of those moments where Tywin knows again. That's why I don't want to use the word realizes, but he just kind of see, sees it on the you know it's a full display in front of him. You got Oberyn there kind of like, eh, you know, I've seen the Unsullied and Cersei's kind of trying to uh, play it off. Um, but Barristan's there and Jorah's no longer lo loyal and, and Oberyn's seen all of this and he loves it. Varys loves it too. Uh, larger every year, my grace, uh, when she talks about the dragons being just babies. Uh, so great stuff with Barris. Great stuff with Mace. Um, Pycelle, Julian Glover, always great. Um and uh, but I just love Tywin uh, kind of confirming uh, Cersei's folly, Oberyn getting the full picture, and just Varys at his snarky best. The scene that follows this, go with me. I might consider it the heart of the episode, which is saying something. I don't know if that quite qualifies as a hot take, but it's saying something with the trial of Tyrion reaching uh, this uh, big crescendo uh, in the scenes that follow this. But there's something about the heart of the episode uh, going on here when, when Oberyn and Varys have their conversation before the throne. And you should, I want to like a supercut of great Varys conversations before the throne, by the way. The reason I say that, we'll get into the, the themes and lessons here, but it, it, it's a conversation about desire. And uh, on the surface, it's a conversation of, of um, um, Oberyn just assuming um certain things about Varys and his uh, uh, sexual uh, proclivities, identities, and uh, desires, and Varys uh, surprising him and perhaps us by saying none of it. Uh, and I see what desire does to, to people and what it's done to this land. I, I think in a way, um, this is the, the big, the heartbeat of, of the episode because it's, it's uh, delivering this theme. And then the rest of the episode is about everyone having certain kind of desires. Now, again, Varys and Oberyn are talking more, uh, you know, they're talking shop relationship-wise is, is the surface of it. But just that <clears throat> these desires that everyone has to be king, to be a better queen, to uh, get revenge, to break the wheel, um, and then just then romantic desires, or the desires of the heart with, with Tyrion and Shay. You see what it does to everyone, and you see what it is doing to this realm. So that's why I think this is the, the heart of the episode, though the other scenes are the bigger uh, scenes and should be treated as such. Uh, love uh, any little moments where you got, like, the Kingslayer brothers. Great punk band. Love love seeing Jamie and Tyrion in uh, these heartbreaking moments. Uh, there is a great little moment uh, going to the trial. I think I love, uh, you know, we know where Peter Dinklage goes with this character in this sequence. It's wonderfully over the top. It is just years of repressed rage years of just, I can't stand these stupid people. I drink myself silly to help process just having to just 
to live in this world with these people who look down on me, spit on me, and they want me to be this monster, and I wish I was. It's a great scene. It is It is the speech of speeches. But it builds to that. And it starts with, you know, Tyrion being escorted there. Have I been pardoned? The joke's like that. But then the sad moment of, of Tommen, uh, King Tommen, recusing himself from the trial, total show. And just the, just the empathy, the compassion, the understanding, and the pain uh, that Tyrion has and how Dinklage plays that moment. He just kind of gives a, a knowing nod to Tommen. Poor Tommen, you've done your role, uh, and I hope you get better and you deserve better. We know how that goes. So I just love that read, and it starts, the emotions start small. And then they just build and build and build. It's a perfect scene in that regard. And, and, and I think Dinklage, again, seeing these little moments and taking that read and taking that beat, beat with Tom and love everything about it there. And then on the other side, I, I love watching Lena Headey in these scenes. Love watching her in all scenes. But there's just something going on with Cersei that I really, really love. In my, from my perspective, throughout this trial, she, she knows none of this is true. Uh, you know, I think she, yeah, she could be. We don't know who did it, so maybe Tyrion did. It'd be great if Tyrion was the one. But whereas Ty, Tywin sees this chaos as a ladder to climb to get what he wants, Cersei is is flailing a little bit because she's so hurt. She's a character who has been hurt. Um, she's been treated so wrong for so long, and power. Did not make that better. Being queen did not make that better. Being queen regent has only made it worse. Losing her son is just added to the gaping hole in her heart and soul. She wants this sense of justice that she has. But it's really just about wanting to cover the pain. And she, uh, Lena Headey plays it. There's so many moments where she plays it with just this weariness to me. Now, when she takes the stand, it's a little different. Um, Love Mace Tyrell. Thank you. You're so brave. Your testimony is so brave. It's, um, you know, it's, um, there's a lot going on with Cersei is what I'm trying to say. But there's just some great shots. If you're going back and watch, watching this episode, look at some of the great shots they have. And, and I just, you know, Cersei's in pain. Just dumping as many things onto the wound to try to make it better. And it's, to me played like that as many times it's sad it's tragic i i do think in the end cersei is a, is a tragic character to me done so wrong for so long and when she does what she can to take control and she takes a lot of control it never fills the void and here's this big scene she you know she brother's gonna be killed she's kind of wanted that her whole life just to make it all better and it's not and i think you get that in a lot of the looks uh from cersei here on a uh funnier note Grand Maester Purcell's uh, line that the most noble child the gods ever put on this earth. This whole thing's a farce. He hates Joffrey. He hates everyone here. He's still playing his game, but I love that. I love that moment. <clears throat> um, the the reveal of Shay, uh, Sybil Kelly coming back and just um, breaking a lot of hearts. And it's and it's an interesting, uh, you know, it's it's a slight. Um, the overall story with with uh, Shay is, of course, not a divergence from the books at all. But as we've discussed before, uh, she comes in, breathes kind of a different life. Even George R. R. Martin has said she's, you know, she changed kind of even how he had viewed the character. I'm paraphrasing that. You can find some of the interviews there. Uh, he's just always loved her work in this um, show, and um, you know, I think uh, um, I I. I think this plays so well. I think this is a this is a, a victory for the show. I never want to pit the show versus the books. I hate those kind of dial those kind of conversations and that dialogue. But they just they're able to do things differently with Shay. Again, we have to see it. We're not reading it. Um, there's just more of a connection. But it, but it's weird because I remember I remember other than I obviously being upset at Shay. You can you know understand a little bit how she gets there. But uh, it's not that the turn happens fast. It just it, it you're seeing it you're seeing it play out in front of you. It's just 
it, it got to me. It got to me. And not in a super negative way, like they did this wrong or everything, but just um I just couldn't believe that she turned she turned and turned that that hard uh, and that deep. And it uh, obviously breaks them, as we'll discuss. So I do love that. Uh, do love that. Uh, I do love talking about little looks, jumping back a little bit. When when Jamie, again, learns his father is kind of, you know, once again, playing the long game and in control, uh, at least before it's, uh, it all ends up the way it does. Uh, I love a love, lot love, love looks on um, on Jamie's face. Just, just again, I, I'm, I'm taking this big stride forward to do something for Tyrion and not me. And it didn't matter. It was all part of your plan. I feel played. Looking at the themes as I love to do, the themes and the lessons. It's not always, always just about the themes, but it's some of the lessons and the big questions the show is asking us. I put the the dangers of desire as the, one of the big themes, perhaps, um, perhaps the theme of the episode. It's heart over mind. You go to the Varys conversation. You go to him. You know, it's in simple. Um, it, it, it's sold. It's discussed in terms of sex and love, relationships, and 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 that's that's, that's that's true. But I think it goes again beyond that to everyone's desires. And there's a lot of desires on display in this episode, and it's just tearing apart everyone. Um, you know, simple. Danny's uh, desire to be a better queen has has her main pet dragon burning goats and more to come more horrible things to come uh it's just kind of a microcosm uh, of of the bigger things at play in this episode and we see what's going on this this trial as far as and Tyrion's got a way out he's got a way out Tywin has uh put his plan into motion Jamie helped strike the deal I think Shay doesn't show up I think Tyrion takes it. It would have been another win for his father. But Shay shows up and it's hard over mine. And that breaks him. One of my favorite little moments is when Tyrion just says, Shay, don't. And he's saying it for her. He's saying her because she doesn't want her to do this and, and, and he can't take it too. It's so sad. It's so sad. And this scene remembered for all the great yelling and screaming from Tyrion. It's that Shay don't that sticks out to me a lot. Uh, 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 it has to do again with the heart. Desires of the heart breaking a lot of people. But I do love Tyrion taking the win away from Tywin. I do love it. And that's what it's about. Kind of on the surface with Ty, Ty, uh, Tyrion and Tywin. But I love that. I love that final shot, the push in on him. I declare a trial by combat. Tywin gets an L. You might get some sort of win later. Tywin's always going to try to play it. But in this moment, Tyrion's not going to let him win. He's not going to let any of them win. That's great. There is this idea of the theme of, uh, you know, power is power, which isn't a good theme. And I've talked to some people, some friends of mine. They're like, "It's kind of what the show's about. To get to take power, you must, uh, you know, win power. You, you only the, you know, only the strong survive." I think the show's definitely kind of trying to teach us on on the, the the poison that power can be, and those who get trampled underneath it, and the pursuit of it, and the desire of power. But starting this episode with the Iron Bank, and their talk about it's, you know. You're talking about your blood, and we're talking about numbers. Our numbers are loyal. I think of the House of the Dragon trail uh, trailer of, uh, you know, uh, uh, they won't remember, uh, you know, legacy. Uh, Iron Bank don't care about your name. They care about the numbers. And so it is a little bit of a reminder of the true powers and uh, how that will affect the story and who's behind things. And Tyrion standing up against that. That's why it's a big win for me. Um, costly as it may be. Life-changing as it may be. Life-altering for many as it may be. He kind of stands up to this idea of power is power. Here's the Iron Bank. Talking about their gold. Talking about their numbers. And they acknowledge, even though I think they feel they have a little bit of control over Tywin. Tywin is the power. It's a little reminder of that. Moving on to Danny as we start to wrap up today's episode. 
Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Thanks for going along in this rewatch journey. Uh, sorry, it's uh, taken longer than I planned. We might do about two rewatch uh, episodes a month now, and then the rest will be news as we race towards House of the Dragon. The rewatch will continue uh, during House of the Dragon and Rings of Power. We'll uh, we'll get there. I'm excited to get to the end of this. More than halfway there. I called this uh, theme, but it's more a lesson. It's more just a conversation to have i call it the riddle the riddle of ruling uh daenerys uh, faces some uh, uh choices um she uh, i call them obstacles it's a big quandary and hanging over that is this idea that uh the always present nature of a dragon that's how i take a lot of the drogon stuff um and yeah dragon in terms of just the targaryen family but more specifically her I think often of Elena Tyrell, you're a dragon, be a dragon. In this episode, we see that lurking behind those uh, big, beautiful dragons uh, up there in the shadow of their wings is their true nature. Uh, we saw that earlier um, with uh, Jorah and Danny having that little moment where, where Drogon uh, kind of snaps at mommy. They're dragons, Khaleesi. They're dragons. And Danny's a dragon. She is trying so hard. And on this rewatch, I told you, I've, I've, I've just been kind of obsessed with every little beat. Every little beat with Danny, especially now that she's in Marine. Uh, an arc that the first time through, I always was a little frustrated in a loving way. Because I just, you know, love Amelia Clark in this role. Love Daenerys Targaryen. Um, but always was a little frustrated with Marine. And Danny in Marine, as we talked about on the show before, but watching her in this episode this time around, it's just this riddle. Her intentions are so good, and she makes what is a good decision here. I'm talking about the goat herder, her intentions are always good, but this was an easy one. The dragon has shown his nature. That's not good. I don't want that here. I don't want to be a dragon here. I want to be a queen. I want to be a fair, just, and balanced ruler. She's getting to the big, uh, I want to break the wheel moments. Um, so she does what is right. She does what is absolutely right. We'll pay you three times. Sorry about your goats, man. My dragon's getting hungry. We'll figure that out. We'll get him some uh, canned food, but don't worry. And I love the look. Uh, there's two great little choices that Amelia Clark makes in this entire sequence here. And the first one is when the, uh, the goat herder is, uh, learns of his compensation. He's kind of happy. And Danny Missandei kind of share a look. It's not that Danny's saying, this is easy. It's a little bit of that. I think there's a little bit of that. I think that's a little intentional. Look, ah, this, this was a problem. My dragon ate his goats. Eh, sorry. I'll give you three times the amount. He's happy. Hey, Miss Sande, this is great. I got a handle on this. His dar comes in next, and I do want to shout out Joel Fry's His Dar Zolorak. Joel Fry, who's uh, right now in Our Flag Means Death, and uh, everyone loves that show. I'm uh, I'm just an episode into that one. Can't wait to dive into more of that one. Uh, I love all the great things I'm hearing about it. But Joel Fry's in that show too. I don't know if he gets uh, a lot of credit for his dar. I think it's because his dar is one of those characters. He's, he's a later in the show character. So he's like a new generation cast member. We don't immediately love him. You're not meant to immediately love him. We definitely are not rooting for him and Danny to get together. We definitely uh, see that it's a political game. Um, and because the story plays out a little differently than it, it does, and it will play out in the books. Uh, we, we Our relationship with him is a little different, but I think Joel Fry is, is, is great in this role. And I particularly love him in this scene. Um, we talk about again the quant the quandary that Danny's always in is 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 this justice versus uh, injustice and, and revenge and and how do you break the cycle of violence? She talks often about breaking the wheel, but how do you break the cycle of violence? And I think his dar represents that represents that riddle represents that quandary. It's to me, there's a lot of early challenges Danny faces and some she's already faced, but I think in terms of Danny and Marine, it's without a doubt not saying anything that you all, all haven't seen, but this is without a doubt, like the first big woo, because goat guy was easy. And she reacts how you would think, maybe how even you would react. 
Your dad, your dad, your dad helped uh, maintain this uh, pyramid. I'd love to meet him. Oh, I killed him. Well, good. He was a master. I'm here to provide justice. I'm here to free people, humans that you've enslaved. Absolutely, I killed him. And again, Hisdar uh, just presents this, this picture of the reality of it. And this is why I really want to shout out Joel Fry. He just approaches it with such, there's a brokenhearted warmth to it. And there's a unavoidable, unmistakable air of truth to what he's saying. I love his line. I cannot defend the actions of the masters. And Joel Fry is a very distinct, he uses his hands a lot. I cannot defend the actions of the masters. He's just talking about his son who lost his dad. And the 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 other side of the coin. Danny's going to face that a little bit later uh, on. I love this scene. I can't wait to get to it of uh, of the freed slave coming back to basically say, "Hey, can, can I go back to being a slave?" It, it, that's it's that record scratch moment for Danny. But I think this is one just as powerful. Yeah, you killed my father. Yeah, he was a master. Yeah, maybe we can't answer to that. We're not advocating that slavery is good here on this show at all. But he can't answer to any of that. But he did stand against what you're so upset about. Did you know that? Did you factor that in when you nailed them all to crosses? When you brutally, slowly turned them into vulture food? My father? We have uh, traditions. We have things we believe in here. Our land, our culture. You're trampling all over that? Yeah. The worst part of that is the slavery part. Gotcha. Can't defend the actions cannot defend the actions but have you even factored in everything else you want to rule this land he's put you're a queen you're queen you want to rule this land have you spent any time knowing us learning us so as always with danny there's so much of what she's doing and the decisions she makes that i really agree with and i really understand there's a righteous rage there and she uses her power for good. She uses her position for the greater good. I do believe it's how it's received. And how can she learn it? And I think eventually she'll she'll learn a lot of this. She does learn a lot of this. And then shows back off to Westeros to try to take all these new skills. And it's not received well. And it's not treated well by the people that she's fighting with. Um. It's part of the part of the journey. If she truly wants to, and and his story invokes what what Barristan says, and and when he says that line, there's that great shot of Amelia and then Barristan over her shoulder, reminding us all of of what he just told her uh, prior to this in, in the previous episodes. You know, when she says, "I shall answer injustice with justice," there's not one ounce of that I, I find wrong. Uh, but it's bigger than that. It's bigger than that. And so she makes a decision, and that's the second big um, acting moment here with Amelia Clark. She is, she's really just postures up, faces angry. The shield is up. It's not so much Danny. It is the nature of the dragon. Oh, your dad. Oh, sorry about your dad. Yeah, I killed him, and I'll do it again. Because I should, because this is what I'm here for. And she starts to see the other side of it. It's not just a compromise. I truly think she sees, she's starting to see this, this, this reality that she's in. She's trampling on this, this culture and wants to make changes. So how do you make these changes? How do you keep these people free? Um, you got to understand the land, understand the people more. It's the only right thing to do. You know, we got earlier, we got, we, we season three ends with the, 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 the controversial uh, white savior Misa moment. That was great. What a parade for you. Here's the reality. You just can't trample over this culture if you want to change it and you want to rule it. And so Amelia plays, the, 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 the shield goes down. The anger goes down. Warmth. Uh, a sense of uh, understanding, a little compassion, and perhaps knowing that she's uh, made a mistake, uh, even though she still has to do what she feels she has to do. And she she just softens to say, 
go bury your father. I love that moment. I love Joel Fry in that moment. I love Amelia Clark in that moment. And this scene ends where we begin. Let me receive goat guy. No, no disrespect to goat guy. Don't worry about it. I'll pay you three times. Hey, Miss Sande, this is great. Awesome. Boom. This real challenge shows up. His dog goes out. How many more do I have? 212 today. You got to sit on that hard throne. By the way, the back problems, the Khaleesi probably has because sitting on that hard throne all day. You have 212 more to go. And I do love the look. It's, it's kind of comical, but the look to George, George is kind of giving the old like, yeah. It's a comical beat a little bit, but all, it's also Jorah like, yeah, this is ruling. And it ain't easy. And this is going to be every day. And she's got two more big beats uh, in these um, uh, throne room scenes that I can't wait to get to. We talked about the, the freed slave one and back. And then, of course, the one with the daughter um, being killed by the dragon. And uh, I think that's a lot of what Jorah said. It's a funny moment, but it's him saying, here, get ready. Get ready. The reality of ruling and the riddle of ruling. And what do you do and how best can you do it while keeping yourself and keeping your goals? So there you go. I love that one there. A little, another theme, another lesson. It's one that I love. It's been on display in Star Wars a lot, especially in Book of Boba Fett. But, uh, you know, uh, there's a lot with, with Theon, Reek, who are you? Real identity stuff. Um, there's a lot with status. Who are you? Who do people think you are? And are you really that? But it plays out on a big scale with Tyrion. I can't, I can't talk enough about Tyrion's speech, uh, almost to the point of, uh, you know, not skipping it, but just like, it is what it is. It's just this beautiful moment, righteous rage, everything about it. Watch it again and again and again. I watched it three times today. But a lot of that is, are you what the world says you are? And how do you deal with that? And Tyrion has tried so hard to get beyond the little monster that everyone thinks I am. It's interesting, Marin Trant on the stand, constantly referred, referring to him as the imp. Uh, everyone is always reminding Tyrion of who he is. And it goes back to the first moment. The first moment, first big moment with Tyrion, I'll say. Uh, that's with Jon Snow in episode one of season one. Wear what you are, wear it, <clears throat> excuse me, wear it as armor. You're a bastard, wear that. I'm the imp, I wear that. No one can hurt you with it. So I think of that moment, and I think of this moment, and him breaking down, and, and Shay being the thing that breaks him down. Shay, don't. And from that, just the explosion, and all the truth, I saved you all. I saved y'all. You won't remember me. It's just a farce. This is a lie. I will not die for this. It's a repeated beat going back to season one with Liza Aaron. Uh, I'll confess my crimes. Yep, 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 yep. Build, uh, all the uh, masturbation jokes for Tyrion there. It's a, it's a repeat of that scene. It's the same tactic, right? Yeah, I want to confess. I want to confess that I didn't do what you said. But I want to confess all these other things. But it's just to this Emmy-nominated degree. I love watching it, but it is just about him going, am I what the world uh, says I am? Am I what the world views me as? I know that they viewed me as this, a monster. And I told Jon Snow, wear that, wear that. All dwarfs are monsters in the eyes of their fathers. Wear that. I wear that so no one can hurt me. But at the end of the day, he's been hurt and he can't take it anymore. And that's what, that's what it is. And so it is this, I wish I was. Be so much easier if I was what you think I am. And something like Star Wars, you can use that as inspiration to to find yourself, true identity, uh, build, and, and and you do that in Game of Thrones as well. But this is so different. It's the other side of it for me. Are you what the world says you are? It'd be so much easier if Tyrion was this murdering monster that everyone wants him to be. And that is going to lead us to the next epi next episode. We're two away. From a big uh, trial by combat matchup. It's going to be fun to get to that one. As tragic as that one is. I uh, can't wait to talk about that. Thank you all for watching. Thank you all for listening. I thank you all for hanging out. I hope you just kind of put the show on here in the background. To maybe do the rewatch with me. Uh, maybe you can catch up and go back. Uh, we have uh, all the episodes to get through. Uh, if we, on the YouTube channel, we have the playlist put together. If you want to go through and do the rewatch uh, again with me. And just uh, listen to my takes. I'm not, a, I'm not an expert here. 
as a student of Game of Thrones, uh, going back and revisiting and, and tracing all of the themes, tracing the lessons, taking them forward, looking back with them, and finding how this show builds and builds and builds to what the final season brings us. And just uh, getting to explore the story again and the fun little moments like Mace Terrell being Lord Kissass. You can follow me at Ken Napsock. You can go to my website, kennapsock.com. Uh, if you're on Facebook, give us a follow at Casterly Talk. If you want to uh, reach out on uh, Twitter, do so by uh, using the hashtag Casterly Talk. Uh, no matter where you watch the show or no matter where you listen to the show, you can always go to the Anchor app, find and favorite Casterly Talk there. And from there, using your phone like a telephone, remember when smartphones were phones, uh, you can actually call in and leave a, a minute-long message uh, or question or comment here in the show, and uh, play, we'll play it here. Uh, so if you want to do that about an upcoming episode on a rewatch, I can uh, play it when I get to it, or you have a question uh, in general. We'll do Q&A episodes uh, more and more. So you can do that through the Anchor app. Uh, again, some of you might not listen on the Anchor app. Not a problem. Just get it, go to the show there, and leave a message. That's it for now. We'll see you next time, friends, here on Casually Talk.